Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 18. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your up-close and personal connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and the third book, Love Has Forgotten No One which will make its appearance this fall. We'll tell you more about that in a while. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host, and it's always my pleasure to be connected to my buddy Gary, who's here with us even as we speak. Hey, Gary, what's up? Oh, I'm doing good, Gene. How are you? Very, very good. How's life Florida? Uh, it's actually been beautiful here lately. We've, re- we've had some really, really nice weather. Not too hot, just nicely warm and sunny during the day. A couple of cool nights. We get down for us. It's cool if we hit like 68, 69 degrees. So it's been very, very pleasant. So far, so good this year. You know, I should tell people, uh, you, you wrote a song that sounded to me a lot like Jimmy Buffett. That's right. It's called uh, Ease in the Keys, right? Right. Uh, you, should put this, you should put the CD somewhere that people can hear it. I'll do that. I'll make some links to that because it is a pretty cool song. It was a while ago I did that because I know you've, you've known that song for quite a while. And most people who hear it think it's it's a Jimmy Buffett song that I'm singing, but it's actually something I wrote. And yeah, it's very tropical, happy, with, with kind of a little metaphysical course-based message very subtly in the lyrics as well. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that. We'll, we'll put a link up. Yeah, and uh, well, I'll see you in June when I come down there for the uh, Universal Lightworkers Conference. You know, I'm glad you, I was going to mention that, and I forgot all about it. I'm glad you brought it up, because we'll be there as well, and you'll be speaking at the ULC, Universal Lightworkers Conference, here in Fort Lauderdale this year, uh, and that'll be uh, June, is that the 13th through the 15th, I believe, is that right? Yeah, it's mid-June, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that workshop is. Um yeah, it's all I can do sometimes to keep track of one week at a time here, as you know. I don't know how you do it, because you're so busy. Your schedule's all over the place. Yeah, I've been uh, been very busy this year, probably more so than ever. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been to Salt Lake City, uh, which is a very interesting place. I get to talk to all the recovering Mormons. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's actually a cool place. You go to, uh, like, Mormon Square, and you go to the visitor center. They have, like, this 20-foot-high statue of Jesus. No kidding. You know, wow. It's just really uh, really funny because I think the last thing Jesus would want would be to have a statue of him 20 feet high. But uh, at the same time, it's you know it's kind of a hoot. I think it's really uh, really kind of funny. Plus, it's the whole area there is beautiful. I've heard it's that it's absolutely- really well, – the pictures I've seen, I mean, it looks like it's just breathtakingly beautiful area of the country. Yeah, it's great, and uh, I just actually got home from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I had heard that. Uh, yeah, were you singing the song while you were out there? You know, actually, believe it or not, I used to sing that song when I was a teenager uh-huh. in one of the first bands I was ever in. You used to sing that, you know, they got some crazy little women there, and I'm going to give me one, you know. I'm not going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you have to be careful, Gene, because when you're uh, you know, a spiritual guy, you know, people think you're not supposed to like girls. Ah, uh-huh, you know, yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you're not supposed to be human or anything. So <laughs> we better not go there. Although love is the subject of the next book. Love yeah, she- has forgotten no one tonight on the Gary Renard Lovecast. Uh, you sound like that guy used to be on uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> the ladies' man. Yeah, the ladies' That's man. That's right. <laughs> that was great. 
<laughs> but that's true. But, uh, your, ne- your next book, I did mention it in the uh, intro there, uh, will be coming out. Uh, I have, I'll have a little question about this from our group members as well in just a moment. But yes, your new book will be Love Has Forgotten No One. It'll be coming out in the fall. So love will be the topic. Yeah, and it'll talk about uh, different kinds of love, but the real experience of love that A Course in Miracles is directed toward is, of course, the real topic of the book. And then we also talk about you know special love relationships and special hate relationships and things like that. But it's really about the, uh, the genuine experience of love, which is all-encompassing, that the Course is uh, directed toward. And... Uh, you know what difference it can make in your life, and in how your experience uh, can be totally transformed. And uh, it's been very good for me, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it mm-hmm. you know, finally coming out. And uh, you know, speaking of different places, I'm actually going back to uh, Portland, Oregon tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, yeah, well, as we record this, this the podcast will probably come out a couple. You'll probably be in Portland when this gets released. But uh, yeah, that's right. And I'd heard about that that you'll be in Portland. Oregon. That's a really cool place. I really mm-hmm. like it there. And uh, then I start a really long trip next week. I'll be gone for more than a month. And uh, I'll be starting off in Canada, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I'm going to Europe, which I'm really excited about. Because, uh, you know, this will be like my third time in London. But aside from that, uh, these places I'm going to will be my first time at each of these places. Uh-huh. Will you be going back to Findhorn in Scotland? <laughs> Not this trip, okay. no. But uh, I do want to go back to Findhorn, hopefully next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alex should be starting off in Dublin, uh, Ireland. Wow, that'll be cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And, and then London, which will be my third time there. But mm-hmm. uh, after that, for the first time, I'm going to Paris. Ooh, Paris. Yeah, I want to do the whole Da Vinci Code thing and go to the Louvre and see the Mona Lisa and, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, I'm going to Spain. I'm going to what's supposed to be a very beautiful place called Mallorca. Ah, yes. And uh, I'm going to end up in Europe in Stockholm, Sweden. Sweden? Yeah. Oh, that should be fun as well, (laughs) the Sweden. You have the good, the the, uh, the sardines. No, they do a lot of good seafood up in Scandinavia. Yeah, it, it seems usually with the exception of London, the places I go each year are different. Like last year, I, as you mentioned, I went to Findhorn. Mm-hmm. I also went to uh, like Switzerland and Holland and Portugal. And next year, I hope to go uh, to like Germany and Italy, mm-hmm. and, uh, which is interesting because my former wife is in Italy right now. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Uh, she has, she's never been outside of the country, and she decided to take her mother to Italy. Uh so she and, moves uh, to Hawaii, and then she decides to visit Europe. Yeah, she's doing very well. <laughs> she's traveling very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially uh, since our divorce. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but, it's, uh, a, it's a whole new sense of freedom for Karen now, isn't it, Gary? How does that work? I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess. He's, I guess she's doing okay. And um, if she hears this, we're of course she knows. I love Karen. She's a sweetheart. So uh, yeah, that's. I'm glad that she's having a great time. Well, that's that's quite a trip. That's halfway around the world to go from Hawaii and then go over to uh, to Italy. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to talk to her yet about um, what it was like in Italy, but I know she loves Hawaii, mm. and she's been having a great time there. And I'll probably talk to her soon about that. And uh, actually, after Sweden, I'm going to stop in Canada again on ah. the way home. Uh, in Calgary, which is a great place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in Alberta, 
in the Canadian Rockies, right near the Canadian Rockies, and there's this wonderful place called Banff. You know, my mom went there years ago. She, I've never been out there, but she brought back pictures. It's unreal. It's so beautiful. That's just incredible. Yeah, that was Banff. Well, uh, what's the big mountain that's out there, and there's a huge lake, and it's a you know, great destination. Yeah, uh, you can go to like Lake Louise. Which I think, is, the, yeah, uh, that's it. It's a wonderful place. Wow, uh, oh, that'll be great. You can bring in a camera with you? Yeah, I've been there before. Uh, you won't see a more beautiful place anywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, it'll actually be June before I'm home again. Wow, so that's a long trip. You'll be uh, traveling yeah, the world. That's, that's my longest trip of the year. Uh, I spend the rest of the year recovering. But uh, not, <laughs> really. I, not really, because I'll go right out again uh, the following weekend uh -huh. and start doing America again. And then uh, to bring the troll circle here, I'll, I'll end up seeing you in Florida in June. That's right, yes. And we will visit so, the Maikai once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Maikai. That's a really cool place. That used yeah. to be Johnny Carson's favorite place. That's right. Just I, I, I shared an article recently with you about that. That yeah, it was uh, Johnny Carson's favorite hangout. Well, I guess when The Tonight Show was in New York, they would come down to Florida pretty regularly, and that's where he'd go. Uh, while yeah. you're here at the ULC, I'll put in a little plug as well. My wife Helen and I will be uh, performing some music at the event this year because Michael Mirdad and Robin Rose, the, the people who, who are kind of the central figures in the Universal Lightworkers Conference, uh, I've known them for years, and uh, we, we've done music. Michael's a big Beatles fan, as I think you remember. So uh, oh, yeah. we, we always have a, a group gathering. I think it's a Saturday night during the event. Uh, and so Armand and Angelina will be there. Uh, John Seri, who's a very well-known uh, pianist and, and keyboard composer. Uh, a number of different people. Now I'm going to forget people. They'll yell at me. Ron Gassio, our buddy from up in Toronto as well. Uh, so it's a really good time. We play a lot of kind of very uplifting pop music, a lot of Beatles and a lot of like very love-oriented music. And it's a, just a great time. So you'll be there for that event and, and we'll be there with you. So that'll be cool. Well, I remember two years ago uh, you guys played and you were really good, really good. Well, and, uh, it's fun. It's a fun group, some really talented people, and the audience is wonderful. You know, you have a couple hundred people who are totally into what you're doing. It's really a, a great change for people like me who sometimes had to pull teeth. Oh, listen to my song. You know? <laughs> so these people really want to hear you, which is, which is really good. So that's a, it's a great that's time. That's right. That's and a great you'll, conference. You'll be, eh? What day are you speaking at the conference? Uh, I believe it's Sunday afternoon. Uh -huh. well, we'll I'm kind of I'm like the finale. You know, I'm kind of like the finale of the event. The only thing is they're making everybody check out of their hotel rooms before I speak. Ah. So uh, it may not be – there may not be anybody there. There will be this mass, <laughs> mass exodus. <laughs> we'll bring you back to but our house. Aside from, that, it's, aside from that, it's very well planned. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that should be great. So you'll be kind of the capstone. Actually, most people remain up till the, uh, in my experience, till the end of the event, which wraps up like five or six o'clock. And usually, pretty much everybody's there right to the uh, to the bitter end of it all. So. Yeah, and actually, I think that uh, James Redfield, the author of the Celestine Prophecy, yes. is also going to speak this year. Mm -hmm. so. And uh, yeah, he, Michael Mirdad, a couple other uh, fairly well-known people, and of course, you know, they all stand in awe of our own Gary Renard. Yeah, but, well, that's only because. Once I actually start speaking, then it's not me anymore. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit starts to come come through me. And uh, that seems to happen when I'm on stage and in front of a lot of people. Maybe it's like the collective mind or something hmm. that kind of like gets together. It's, it seems to be more powerful uh, when you have a group of people all kind of like focusing. Because I kind of like get everybody thinking about the Holy Spirit and joining with the Holy Spirit, you know, before I get going. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be like this, uh, you know, thing that takes over. And, and, and uh, you know, people report seeing like, uh, 
you know, kinds of colors and, and auras and things around me sometimes and uh, having all these wild experiences. And I think it's kind of like a group uh, mind-joining kind of a thing yeah. that's going on there. You know, so I, I, I enjoy it. I think it's really cool. I remember just real quickly years ago when you first started doing any public speaking like this and you were, remember you telling me how you, you know, you're really nervous about how is it going to work out and you hadn't done that kind of thing. And you're by nature somewhat shy. It's hard to tell on these podcasts because you, you sound so slick and personable. But uh, no, I know that you were concerned about that and you had just decided I'm just, you know, you're kind of guided. I'm going to open this to the Holy Spirit and we'll just see what happens. And you've always had great, great responses and, and apparently feel quite comfortable because, again, you, you sort of get your own ego self out of the way and let the Holy Spirit come through you and speak and and direct you. Yeah, uh, sometimes it takes a little while, you know, to really get into that space where you believe that something is coming through you. But once that happens, uh, it's almost like you're watching yourself do it. You know, it's almost like you're not the one that's doing it anymore. It's like you're almost standing beside yourself, observing yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's something being expressed through you, and you know it's not you. I mean, the voice may sound like yours, but it's not you it, it's something else you know coming through you and uh the more you do it the more you experience the holy spirit uh and it just uh you know it gets to be a totally different way of doing things and like when i first started out uh you know it took me a while to really you know get the kind of discernment where i realized what was going on and uh of course the more you do anything and the more you practice the better you you get at it so uh yeah things have changed a lot uh, over the years, and especially the last two years, I would say, I've really felt like, uh, you know, that Holy Spirit message was being expressed through me, and I could really get out of the way fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I understand uh, we're going to do questions that were written in yes. by our uh, listeners this time. Faithful listeners. Let me start off with one kind of generic question. I've got a bunch of them here from specific people. But on the, uh, we'll give a shout out to our friends at the DU Group. I know we've been doing that every podcast lately. So now they'll yell at us if we don't say hello. Uh, Yahoo, uh, I'm sure everybody's familiar with, and they have a lot of different groups on different subjects. Well, there's one on the disappearance of the universe. And it's over 5,000 members now, some great people there, and they know who they are. But uh, a number of folks have recently asked about this. And I said, you know, in our next podcast, I'll ask you directly, because you were talking about your new book, Love Has Forgotten No One, and you said that uh, in our last show, you had mentioned that the, the release date had been pushed back a little bit to November 11th, which is 11-11. Um, and a few people had asked is that there's apparently some significance to that, and they wondered if you might elaborate or wanted to talk about that or what you might want to say. Well, first I'd like to say hello to uh, all the people at the DU group. And they've been very loving and supportive the last five years. Actually, this month makes five years mm. that the group has been going. And uh, it's the largest group on the Internet that talks about A Course in Miracles, uh, as well as you know the two books that have been out so far. I don't want to talk too much about the significance of 1111 because I don't want to make you know an illusion real, except to say that it's kind of like an opening. Uh, it's kind of like a window of time that you go through that leads to kind of like a new phase or a new cycle. Now, that's also true of the year uh, 2012, which my teachers mentioned in the last book. Uh, it's not like the end of the world or anything. What it really is is kind of like the beginning of a new cycle. And uh, you could also think the same about 11.11. It, it's kind of like a portal that opens up a new cycle where uh, kind of like an acceleration, I think, of spiritual awareness. 
is going to take place. And it's kind of like something that is leading up towards uh, 2012. Hmm. So you could say that the two are connected and that this is kind of like the beginning of that change uh, in a cycle. But it'll be another, you know, three and a half years or so before uh, the whole thing really gets going. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like if you're going to turn a car around, you know, it doesn't turn on a dime. You know, you have to kind of like, you know, move it around a little bit in order to, in order to turn around. Well, that's true of anything. Uh, things don't usually change immediately. You get, you get kind of like, uh, you know, a turning point going, you know, before the actual turn takes place. And that's what I see uh, November 11th as. I see that as the beginning of this turning point that, you know, where things are going to turn around. And then you get the year 2012 going, and it's like a whole new cycle uh, is, you know, really getting into gear. Mm -hmm. So that's really the significance of that. And I, I don't want to make it out to be, you know, anything more than that, except it's also just the right uh, time, not just ast astrologically, but... Uh, you know, in, in times of cycles, uh, that, that just seems to be the perfect time for the book to come out. Oh, well, that's good. Good. And if you have anything further to say, you'll update us, I'm sure, as time goes on. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. And uh, the book is going to have a few surprises in it. Really? And, uh, and any hints yeah. for us? Uh, well, one thing that I've already kind of like mentioned at the Yahoo group is that the, the identity of the person who is Arden in this lifetime, you know, because uh, for those who don't know, we know that, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, there was uh, Thomas and Thaddeus, and, mm -hmm. and Thaddeus is the person uh, who is going to be, you know, Arden in the future. We have Arden in person in the future, say, 100 years from now. And uh, what's going to happen in this book is that all three of those different time periods and lifetimes and forgiveness lessons are going to uh, come together. It's going to show how synchronistic they are uh -huh. and how holographic they are, how how, uh, you know, so many things have happened in this lifetime that are actually connected to those and how they all fit together. And that's true of everybody. Mm -hmm. And when I say lifetimes, of course, they're dream lifetimes. You know, they, they don't actually happen, but they do appear to happen. Right. You know, events in a dream do appear to happen. And so, uh, you know, we know that uh, 2,000 years ago there was Thaddeus, uh, and, uh, but it was never revealed who Arden was in this lifetime. And, and there's been much speculation about that. That's true. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, guesses. You know, some of them are pretty good guesses, but uh, I think that people will be surprised. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because I'm, I'm actually kind of tired of keeping it a secret. I, I and, don't uh, know. You've kept it a secret from me, too. People ask me about that. You know, I say, no, I'm, I, and I'm not Artin. I just play him on recordings. So <laughs> I just channel the voice, but uh, no, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know at all, honestly. And uh, I know you're not telling, even me, you're not telling. That's right. I haven't actually told anybody. Um, you know, I've been pretty good at keeping a secret. I was actually uh, told by Arden in person when they first started appearing to me that I shouldn't tell anybody about them. And I actually kept that secret for nine years mm -hmm. that they were, were even appearing to me. And, uh, you know, so I'm not telling anybody who Arden is until the book comes out. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, you know, people will, will find out about that person, you know, pretty fast, I'm sure. Because then, we, you know, either me or that person can say anything about it in public that we want to. But we want to give people, you know, the experience of uh, having the whole book at once, you know, and seeing this arc that takes place, you know, over a long period of time where – 
we're given other opportunities. It's like uh, there's a line in the last section of The Course in Miracles. Uh, it says, trials are but lessons presented once again. Where, where you made a faulty choice before, now you can make a better one and thus escape all pain that your previous choice brought to you. And, I, and I'm paraphrasing, but that's very close to what it says. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's true. I mean, we will be presented with uh, forgiveness opportunities in this lifetime. We're going to learn some of them. In most cases, we're not going to learn all of them. And some people will. Of course, if you learn all of them, uh, then you're enlightened and you have no more lessons. And you have the more need to, uh, you know, keep re-experiencing the opportunities to learn them. But uh, in most cases, if people do come back another time, then they're going to be presented with similar opportunities uh, that they're going to have a chance to forgive. And at some point, they're going to take advantage of all the opportunities. And uh, then when they do, there won't be any need for them to, uh, you know, appear here anymore. Because, again, if the uh, script is already written, everything has already happened. And as we've talked about on a number of our shows here, uh, there are certain alternate, what seem to be alternate timelines or alternate dimensions. But, again, that's all part of a, of a script that is complete. So any experiences of what seem to be different lives, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, really are just us re-experiencing the things we haven't learned yet. And that's why the, the forgiveness is the release from the need to keep doing that. That's true, and of course, a real mind blower is that that future lifetime has already happened. You know, yeah, it's already yeah. there. And as the course says, you know, like reviewing mentally that which has already gone by. Well, you know, it's, that's very much like watching a movie. Yeah. Oh, sp- speaking of movies, I don't mean to change the subject, but I saw a very, very funny uh, movie last night. It was just, uh, you know, an absolute riot. I was in stitches. It's called uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, I've heard that's really funny. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I hear it's really a riot. Yeah, and one of the reasons I wanted to go see it was because most of it's filmed in Hawaii. Ah. And, uh, of course, I love Hawaii. But, man, when it, when it got going, I thought, this is brilliant. I mean, this is really well written. Uh, I have to warn people, it's an R-rated film. You know, mm. it's, uh, it's not for children. But, uh, man, I... It was just great. It was really great, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd highly recommend that uh, to anybody. Cool. You know, and uh, it was done by the same people who made that movie, uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Right, right. Yeah, same kind of production team, and the, the guy was a similar yeah. writer or something on that. So that's a very yeah. funny film, too. Very fun. But it's actually a sweet film. It's really The 40-Year-Old Virgin is really a sweet-hearted film, but it's also just very funny. You know, And Steve Carell is a, is a riot. Yeah, that's what, this, uh, that's what this movie was like. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you can, I don't know, it was just, not only was it a riot, but Hawaii is beautiful in this movie. They really filmed some great locations. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to mention that. Well, and, cool. uh, Yeah, if you want, we could probably get to the uh, the other written questions. Yes, and uh, let- I think before the show, you mentioned to me something about, because I'm going to uh, Toronto, not, not this week, but next week. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something about uh, somebody had a question from Toronto. Mm, Karnak comes up with question much appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there's my paper right in my hand. Okay, now, I haven't seen these before. No, that's not true. But Gary hasn't heard them before. So, here we go. And, yes, you're right. Our first question, come, and it's very appropriate timing-wise here, it's from Sonia from Montreal. So, she says, Gary, and it's kind of a little bit lengthy. I'll read it quickly. But she says, I'll be attending your workshop in Toronto. 
I look forward to a great weekend of learning and meeting you. I love the book, D.U., and I'm about to start your second book. I, too, am quite the smartass, <clears throat> I'm quoting, so that was a great lesson for me when Arton spoke to, to that in both of us. Uh, thank you both, Gene and you, for the podcasts. Thank you, Sonia. They really help with the studies, and I really enjoy the question and answer series. This is almost like we're talking about ourselves. It's like seeing ourselves in a mirror here. Okay, back to Sonia's question. This is the part that's not jiving with me right now. When Persa says, if you're a woman on the street being attacked, uh, take the attacker and kick him in the <clears throat> gonads and then forgive him later. Well, Jesus, while being nailed to the cross, didn't say, I'll just kick them you know where and forgive them later. So at that moment, if we joined with the Holy Spirit, why couldn't a miracle occur? I'm not saying that my instinct wouldn't be to retaliate, but that's exactly what it would be. It would be instinct or reacting. I'm not on Jesus's level yet, but I would like to think ultimately if one was, there might be no need to defend or react. Aren't those ego responses? Or is that the point? Because we're not at that level, kick him in the cojones and forgive later. Couldn't that be said for all forms of perceived attack then? Attack back and forgive later. I think if I was being attacked on the street and I truly had full faith and called on the Holy Spirit, a miracle would occur and I would not be forsaken. Maybe I'm delusional, but let me know. See you in Toronto. Love from Sonia. Yeah, uh, could you repeat that? Sure, I'll start from the beginning. I'm, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. I uh, <laughs> okay, first of all, I think that uh, you know there will be some people from Montreal coming over to uh, Toronto and vice versa. I've been to both places before. I love Montreal. Uh, in fact, the reason that I'm going to Paris is because uh, there was a publisher in Montreal called Ariane mm -hmm. that uh, was the first publisher to publish my book in, in French. And uh, they kind of like uh, beat the uh, the publishers in Paris to, you know, they beat them and put the book out first and it actually became popular uh, both in Quebec and in, in France. And uh, so I really enjoyed, uh, I got to go to Montreal last year, and uh, I'm going to enjoy going back to Toronto. Now, uh, as for Sonia's uh, question, there's a couple of different things going on there. And this is a result of, uh, you know, what, what I would call level confusion. Uh, a Course in Miracles and its teachings are always to be done at the level of the mind and never taken to apply to the level of the physical. Uh, that's why Course in Miracles says this is a course in cause and not effect. Mm -hmm. uh, cause is the level of the mind. The effect is the projection that you're seeing that appears to be the physical universe of time and space. And it also includes energy or anything that takes on a form. So, uh, for example, when a Course in Miracles says, if I defend myself, I am attacked, it's talking about uh, the level of the mind. It's not talking about what you do at the level of the physical. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, Sonia herself mentioned that maybe it's because, you know, you're not at the level of Jesus. Well, that's exactly true. You know, it's like uh, if somebody is attacking you and, uh, you know, and you're not at the level of Jesus and they, like, run a knife through you or something, the chances are it's going to hurt like hell. Hmm. And the reason for that is something that has nothing to do with what people think. The reason for that is because the pain is not caused by the physical action. Uh, the pain is caused because there is unconscious guilt that's in the mind. Now, that's why A Course in Miracles says that, that the guiltless mind cannot suffer. Mm -hmm. 
It's because what's really causing the pain is this guilt that's in the mind that is unconscious that most people are not even aware of, which is why you are going to feel pain if somebody attacks you. And you cannot depend on, oh, well, a miracle is just going to occur and I'm not going to feel any pain. And also, is it because we still have some kind of a vested belief in being a body? Yes, yes. But that is there because of this unconscious guilt okay. in the mind. The reason we have a body in the first place is because of the need to project this unconscious guilt onto other bodies. Mm -hmm. uh, if we didn't have that unconscious guilt in the mind, you wouldn't need a body in the first place and you wouldn't, you wouldn't come here. So it's kind of like a... Well, it's kind of like Ken Wapnick says, you know, uh, this isn't the happy world, and nobody in their right mind would come here. <laughs> you know, and it's like uh, the reason that we come here is because of this unconscious guilt in the mind, which is there in the first place, uh, where Jesus, who had completely forgiven the world, had no unconscious guilt in his mind because the Holy Spirit heals this unconscious guilt as you do your part, which is practicing forgiveness, which is why the Course says that the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. Now, if you've completely forgiven the world like Jesus, and he knew that he had, you know, he knew that he was experiencing his oneness with God. He knew that he was like a you know, a dream figure. He he wasn't a body anymore, and what he was experiencing as a body was was practically not even there. You know, it's like my teacher Persis said. She said that she felt uh, just enough to function while she appeared to be here, but for all intents and purposes, the body had become very much like the figure in a dream that it really is, which means that it cannot be hurt. So when somebody drove a nail through Jesus' wrist, he knew that it wasn't going to hurt. Where Sonia, on the other hand, and I'm not trying to say that she hasn't attained uh, the same level of Jesus, maybe she has. Right. Well, she said she hasn't, so she's not claiming that at all, and that's why her question. Okay, so, so what I'm saying is, is that if she hasn't attained the same level as Jesus, then the chances are, uh, if somebody hurts her, it's going to really hurt, and she is going to suffer. And not only that, but on the level of the physical, it is not going to inspire peace for her or for anyone else, you know, in her family, for example, for her to be raped and murdered. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not going to inspire peace for anybody. The, la the last thing that the Holy Spirit wants anybody to do is to suffer. You know, so what I'm saying is, is that when it comes to the level of the physical, what you do is you do the normal thing. You know, you don't try to pretend that you're Jesus. In fact, in that uh, section of the Course called The Message of the Crucifixion, he says specifically, you are not asked to be crucified. You know, so what he's saying is, uh, that was my teaching lesson because I had attained that level and I could do it without suffering pain. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, uh, most of us would suffer pain, you know, if we were attacked and if somebody uh, hurt us. And so if we can avoid that, then it's perfectly all right to avoid that. And it's perfectly all right to... Uh, you know, defend yourself on the level of the physical, because it's not about the level of the physical, it's about how you're looking at the level of the physical. And uh, there's a lot of level confusion that goes on at first among uh, course students who don't understand that uh, the course is to be applied at the level of cause, which is the mind, which is why the course says, once again, this is a course in cause and not effect. You do not apply these teachings at the level of the physical, they don't work at the level of the physical. These teachings work where they're supposed to work. 
They work at the level of the mind, and that's specifically what the Course says that it's for. So, uh, you know, the first thing that people do when they get into A Course in Miracles, and, you know, I hate to say this, but a lot of people never get over this. Yeah. Because there are Course teachers out there who do make it about out there. They make it about the effect. Mm -hmm. They make it about the level of the physical. So as soon as you do that, it's no longer A Course in Miracles. You know, so now they'll talk about uh, the world like it's real, and here's the Course saying that there is no world. Uh, they'll talk about you. They'll talk about me. Uh, they'll talk about our behavior. Oh, what what are you doing? Gee, that doesn't look uh, totally spiritual to me. Hmm. You know, so it's like all of a sudden they've taken the Course and they've put the Course exactly where the Course says it doesn't belong, which is out there on the level of the physical and in the effect. And that's why they don't get it. Right. That's why they don't get that the Course is about forgiveness. It's at the level of the mind, and it has nothing to do with what you're seeing because what you're seeing is a projection that is coming from you in the first place. You know, and it's about forgiving that, but if you, you don't have to forgive it immediately if you're being you know, seemingly attacked on the level of, of the physical. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do at the level of the physical. You know, and uh, I'd say nine out of ten course students make it all about what you do at the level of the physical when the course has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with that. You know, which is why I want to be very clear about this because, uh, you know, it's not about what appears to be out there. It's not about somebody else. Uh, you look at that section, uh, the message of the crucifixion in the course, you know, Jesus talks about the destruction of his own body. And you see that uh, message has nothing to do with what the people are doing. It has everything to do with how he's looking at it. You know, it, it never even says uh, any judgmental thing about anybody out there. It's always about the way that you're looking at it and changing your mind about it. And, uh, you know, if what you're seeing is an illusion, you shouldn't feel guilty if you defend yourself in that illusion because nothing's really happen, happening anyway. It's just a preference. And then, yes, you can forgive that person later. So uh, yeah, I think that we'll stay out of trouble if we just realize that this course is different. This course has nothing to do with the world. And, uh, you know, but the first thing people do is they, they put it in the world. They make a religion out of it when it's not a religion. Uh, you know, uh, it's a self-study course. There is no course in Miracles community. Or at least it's not supposed to be. Right, not officially, anyway. You know, no, I mean, this is a self-study course that's done between you and the Holy Spirit, or you and Jesus, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but right away, people want to make organizations, they want to make a uh, community out of it, and then all of a sudden they become like the, uh, the self-appointed guardians of this community. Mm. You know, like they're going to protect other people in the community from other people in the community. Right. And then the problem is out there. And if the problem is out there, then the solution must be out there. That's another ego device also. Keep pulling you into the illusion, making the illusion seemingly important to wrap up all your attention. Right. So uh, I think that people should remember that this is a self-study course done at the level of the mind, not a group thing that is done out there on the level of the physical. Right. And then at the same time, I'm not saying that if, uh, you know, if you want to go to a study group that you shouldn't go. Uh, in fact, probably the, the best value of study groups is that at least it gives you somebody to talk to about this stuff. Mm -hmm. 
because uh, it's not always easy to find people <laughs> no. who can talk about this stuff. And also, I wanted and so, uh, well, I also wanted to mention that the uh, the course is is also very specific, as we've talked about before, about not denying. Uh, your illusory activities in in what appears to be the physical world. You still feed yourself. You still eat good food. Hopefully, you take care of your health, you, your body. You know, you you take care of uh, your finances. You you deal with the world. You still, as you always say, you kind of live a normal life. But that's not the point. And I guess maybe that's what people they make it the point where it's just while you seem to be here, make it peaceful, make it happy, make it peaceful and joyful for those around you. But also, this isn't the point. The point is forgiveness. To, to go beyond this and get out of the illusion entirely. That's right, and uh, that's that's very valuable. Uh, not that anything in the illusion has value, but at the level of the mind, it's it's a valuable idea to uh, remember. Like you know, if you have a job, you do your job. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this isn't about you know acting uh, a certain way or behaving a certain way. You do your job, and, and it's about the way that you're looking at it. So if you read the uh, like the psychotherapy pamphlet. Uh, at the end of the course, which is it's part of the course from the third edition on, and it should have always been a part of the course right. along with the uh, song and prayer pamphlet. Mm-hmm. If you look at that, uh, it's it's put in terms of psychotherapy, but you could just you know cross out the word therapist and put any job that you have. And what it's about is you do a normal job, and then if you're doing the course, what you do is you practice forgiveness at the same time. And uh, you can also forgive yourself for kicking that person in the gonads. You're forgiving the entire illusion because you or we are part of the illusion as much as what we think is outside of the human us. I think there's me and I think there's other people, but it's all my projection, so it all has to be forgiven. Right, and uh, I think that Sony has to remember what is the alternative to what I just said. The alternative would be that you stand there and you let somebody rape and murder you and hope that you're not going to feel any pain and that the Holy Spirit is going to save you when the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the Holy Spirit does things at the level of the mind. And if she's saying, you know, that that's a good alternative, uh, then fine. You know, that, that's a choice that she can make. But I'm just saying that I have a responsibility when I talk to people to let them know that you know it's okay to live a normal life it's okay to make money and pay your bills and you don't have to you know act weird you know so uh this is done, <laughs> I, I always mean know. to tell you Gary stop acting weird <laughs> yeah but yeah, you're right so it's you're like right. uh so it's like this is uh something different than the other things that are out there practically everything that's out there makes it about the world and about the level of form and then tries to manipulate it and get things and, and manifest things and make things happen in the illusion. And this is something that's uh, totally different. It's kind of like what Monty Python said, you know, and now for something completely different. <laughs> yeah, and, it, you know, it's tough. I don't want, you know, I, I think uh, I, I'm sure people get this already, but it's not easy. If it was easy, we wouldn't be here or we wouldn't think we were still here. We'd already be enlightened and know it. But it's not easy because it's, it's so seductive. The physical world is seductive. It draws us in at every level from body needs to financial needs and power needs and all the things that we are drawn to want, even creative stuff. You and I are both musicians. You know, sometimes I just can't wait to pick up a guitar and play something. It's drawing me in. I mean, I really shouldn't have to have an object in these illusory hands uh, because any creativity really is at the level of mind. It's just the ego has generated this apparency that sucks us right into it every time, you know, and that's so it's a constant struggle. It's it's it, there's work involved in this process. That's true. Uh, I think that that's why the course says, uh, well, I think the course would say it's simple, but it's not easy. Right. 
and I believe it uses the word simple, you know, something like 168 times. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's still hard for us to get that there are only two things to choose from. As the Course says right in the introduction, nothing real can be threatened. That's this immortal spirit that will go on forever, this perfect oneness with God. Mm-hmm. Nothing unreal exists. That is anything else. And our job is to choose to think of everybody and everything, including ourselves, as being that reality you know, that is real, that can't be threatened, and nothing unreal exists. Well, you know, that, that's the hardest part to get. Mm-hmm. That uh, that that guitar doesn't exist. That we in, ultimately we do not exist right. as uh, as separate beings uh, from God. And uh, you know when we see everything and think of everything that way, you know, including that guy who appears to be attacking us, it doesn't mean that we don't do the normal thing in that part that doesn't exist. It means that we remember what does exist. Which is uh, the reality of spirit, and that's you know the choice that the course is asking us to make in every situation, every event, every relationship, you know that we have. And uh, at first, that sounds like a lot of work until you realize, well, all you're doing is you're forgiving whatever's right in front of your face, right? Every time, and you, yeah. And you can only do two things with whatever's in front of your face: you can judge it or you can forgive it. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, it's simple, but I think. Uh, the reason that it's doable is because the mind gets trained over a period of time, like with the workbook and, and with practice. Uh, the mind eventually gets into the habit, like the Course says, miracles are habits, and the miracle is forgiveness. Uh, you know, eventually the mind gets into the habit of doing it so much, it becomes almost auto- automatic for you. My brother, choose again. Yeah. Yeah, choose once again what you would have him be, knowing that every choice will establish your own identity as you will see it and believe that it is. We'll continue with more Questions for Gary in our next episode. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented by Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of this program is copyright 2008, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. For more information about Gary Renard and his books, activities, and schedule, go to his website, that's the one he named himself, www.garyrenard.com. And for more information about our podcast and what we're both doing, go to our website, www.forgiveness.tv. This is Gene Bogart saying thanks so much for listening, and I'll look forward to connecting with you again here on the next episode of the Gary Renard Podcast. And remember, whatever the situation or question, forgiveness is always the answer.